This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, Internet. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 323, recorded on Monday, May the 15th, 2017. Oh, it's May the 15th. Happy birthday, Grace. Dave's wife's birthday. There you go. Happy birthday to Grace. I think it is also... Christy. Um, <laughs> you're right on top of the birthdays there, my friend. <laughs> and my uh, the uh, the uh, driving instructor I had a few years ago when I got my license, his birthday's today too. How do you, how do you know that? I don't know. I'm just... I don't, he mentioned it because if he was describing uh, how, how they come up with driver's license numbers in Ontario and they use your name and your birthday. Really? And so he did. Yeah, he was describing the uh, the process. Okay. Well, that's... so yeah, if you uh, if you want to get rid of uh, uh, you know if you've been uh, got tickets on your license or if you have a charge on your license and you want to uh, have a clean license without a record, change your name because then your driver's license number changes and uh, your insurance won't ding you because they look you up based on your uh, driver's license number. Can you actually? Is that an actual loophole you can do? Yeah, I believe so. Huh. He told it, but told us about it. Driving teacher. <laughs> I guess, it, I guess he would know. <laughs> he might've said, don't tell anybody, but it's the internet who listens. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure he's not the first person to figure that out. Yeah. Well, in any, in any case, happy birthday, Grace, happy birthday, birthday, Christy, and happy birthday, uh, Jason's old driving instructor. Racist son of a bitch. Oh my God. Yeah. He's so taught, racist. He taught you how to drive. Uh, he did. So he was I good for something. Really couldn't wait, wait to get away from the man. Well, there you anyway. go. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. This is uh, our first podcast in a couple of weeks since we did our season seven wrap up crossover with the Walking Dead cast. Uh, and today um, we're going to do two things. First of all, we are going to start our Jeffrey Dean Morgan actor spotlight. And by start, I mean do the first half of it, which we'll right. get into uh, reasons why in a minute. First, though, we're going to do the Walking Dead news. And that's all we've got for today. So Nice light evening. Well, you'd think, but every time I think, oh, it's going to be a quick and dirty podcast, we'll be in and out of here like nothing. It ends up being, you know, an hour and 45 minutes long and and that's the way it goes. Right. So we should have the tangent cops keeping a close eye on me is what we should do. Something like that. But yeah, who knows? Let's, uh, let's dive into the news and then we'll do the first half of our spotlight. Cool. The Walking Dead News. Well, congratulations are in order, Jason. For me, you, or someone in else? Someone else. Christian Serratos right. has delivered her baby. Yay! Did you even know she was pregnant? No. <laughs> I don't remember if we talked about this at ever at any point before, but she was pregnant, but she is no longer pregnant because she has delivered the baby. She released a photo on Instagram of herself and the baby on Mother's Day with the nice. caption, Happy Mother's Day from little W and me. Although there's no word on name, gender, or actual birth date yet. Like, I don't know if it was born on Mother's Day or if it came a few days before, but... Uh, all we know is the baby has been born, and it seems like mom and baby are both doing fine. I predict that the name is Wallard. Wallard. Well, little W. So, yeah. um, is Wallard a male or female name? It could. It, it's one of those names that could go either way. You know, you could name a girl Wallard if you want, or a boy. 
<laughs> uh, I, I don't want to offend any wallards out there, but I'm not so sure anyone would want to do that, but there probably is the odd one. <laughs> I may have just made that name up. Yeah, maybe. Well, congratulations to little Wallard Serratos or uh, whatever Wallard's last name oh. is. I don't know who, who Christian Serratos is, uh, who the father is. So, um, Yeah, if there is one. If it, you never know. I, who knows? But uh, more details to come, I presume, at some point. But congrats anyways. Okay, uh, next item. Producer Denise Huth talks the season eight premiere. We're, of course, many months away from season eight so far. Uh, but she had a couple things to say in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. First of all, though, Jason, did you realize that season eight, episode one, is episode number 100? Really? I did not know that. There Already? You, well, yeah, already. It took seven seasons plus one episode to get to 100. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, not a lot of shows go 100 episodes. That kind of sneaks up on you. I wasn't thinking that we'd be even, you know, coming anywhere near 100 episodes. Well, we are there. I mean, it just takes a little simple math, but, you know, I, I didn't do the math either well, yeah, of until, until it was pointed out to me. So Counting's hard. Oh, counting and multiplication even worse. Oh, yeah. Anyways, episode number 100, season eight, episode one. And uh, as I said, Denise Huth was, was interviewed by Entertainment Weekly and had this to say, our season eight premiere for season eight, it's <laughs> an awkward sentence. Our season premiere for season eight happens to be the 100th episode. It makes it a really exciting way to come back. The energy here is really good. Everybody is super pumped up and it's particularly exciting coming off of last year where the season premiere was a total 180 energy wise. It was really, it was a really tough way to start the season and this year is a really exciting way to start. Mm -hmm. Slightly so confusing. we had uh, the first half of last season was a tragedy and then it was a comedy. Uh, so the first half of this next upcoming season is romance? It could be. We've, we've kind of had a little bit of romance on the show before, but I don't know, maybe, I don't know. In, in any case, thriller. She's, <laughs> well, there's probably some of that in there, some horror. Yeah. Uh, in any case though, it's going to be exciting and everyone is super pumped up what yeah. she's saying. Including me. Yeah. There you go. She also said, uh, when asked to give a few adjectives that describe what fans are going to see in season eight, she said, it's a ton of action. It's super exciting. I think it will be really, really satisfying. As a fan of the show, and I am a fan of the show, when I read it, I, it was like, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's worth the wait to get to this moment. For her. I mean, we got to wait a little bit longer, but <laughs> well, she didn't have to wait as long to find out what's going on. No, she's right there in the thick of it. But I don't know. These are the, these are these kind of funny quotes that producers and actors give about how great everything's going to be without saying anything specific, um, but, uh, you know, a, a 180 degree energy, uh, wise. So. Yeah. It's large and multifaceted and, uh, you know, rainbow-tastic colors and, you know, big and exciting. That's very, exactly, very descriptive. exactly what we're going to get, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that's all we know about season eight so far. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he won an award at the M oh, yeah. MTV Awards. Best Four. kiss? On-screen kiss? <laughs> Did he have an on-screen kiss? I don't think so. I don't think so either, so that's not it. Huh. He won best villain. Best villain, nice. Yeah, and- Who's uh, he up against? I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. 
which is uh, a failing on my part. But he did tweet this after winning. He said, one best villain at MTV Movie Awards. Thank you all. Show couldn't free me up to represent my Walking Dead family. Proud as fuckity fuck. <laughs> is that the award that you get when you get a surfboard? Isn't there like a, some kind of awards show where you walk away instead of a plaque or a, you know a, a statuette of some kind, you get actually this big friggin' surfboard you have to cart around and then somehow mount on your wall? Oh, good point. Um, I thought the MTV Awards you get it was like an astronaut, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Well, that was that's that's yeah. I don't know, but there's some award show that gives you a surfboard, which I think is fun. <laughs> I thought maybe he's, you know, MTV seems like a fun place to, you know, have things like that. They're still fun, right? MTV? They still videos at all still? I, I don't know. I doubt it. I, I Do music <laughs> channels even show videos anymore? I, I don't know. I think the Teen Choice Awards give away a surfboard. Oh, okay. That's right. I think. Uh, MTV, I have a feeling, is an astronaut. But in any nice. case, Negan, portrayed by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, was the best villain on TV last year. Or yeah, I guess according to um, uh, MTV. Nice, congratulations. Very good. Now, Walking Dead folks don't win a lot of awards, so no. this is a big deal. It is, <laughs> even though it's from MTV. You know, but that's not that's a reputable organization. They've been around since the early '80s. That's true. They've put it. So, they've paid their dues. They've paid their dues. I mean, sure, they don't show videos anymore, but nobody watches videos anymore unless it's like not on purpose. They do it on purpose. You go to YouTube and watch a video. That's pretty on purpose, but not seriously on purpose. Like sit your ass down. Remember they used to have like half hour video shows. You'd have to, you know, schedule. It's Thursday night at nine. We got to sit down and watch half hour of videos because it's time for videos. Because <laughs> that's what you did. Because that, that's really on purpose. But now it's, you know, go to YouTube and go, okay, Katy Perry. Let's see. She got a new video out. Uh, there's that one where she's in the jungle. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of boring. But, uh, you know, video's on purpose. I'm pretty sure. I you... forget my point. <laughs> that's okay. That's <laughs> all right. I just, I just think it's great that you go to YouTube to look for Katy Perry videos every hour, I'm sure. Well, where else are you supposed to go? Well, good point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Congrats to JDM for that. Next up is Cliff Curtis. You remember him? He plays uh, Travis on Fear, mm. The Walking Dead. Well, he's been cast in something else, and it's pretty serious. Mm. In well, one, on is it? Tell me, it's at least some kind of Terminator thing. Uh, no, but you're actually not too far off. He's there are four upcoming Avatar sequels, which are <laughs> fuck off, which really? are <laughs> which are directed by James Cameron. And oh, he's, he's the Terminator guy, right? Yeah, Jimmy, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's making all four. He's making four sequels all at once. And he, he cast Cliff Curtis in a lead role. Apparently, Cliff will be playing a character named Tonawari, who is the leader of the Metkayina, the Reef People clan. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce some of those words, but that's what uh, Deadline.com told me. Now, the first four movies, the sorry, the first of the four <laughs> movies is set to be released December 18th, 2020. So yep. we do have some time. So well, this is what I was going to say is that he took 10 years between Titanic and uh, Avatar, right? James Cameron did. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a long time where he needed to perfect motion capture and that kind of thing. So... If we're looking at that kind of timelines, and if you say 2020, which is only like three years away, like really, 
it seems like it's like way far in the future, but you know, when they say the, you know, it could come out in the year 2000, you know, then that just kind of came and went. So 2020 is going to come real fast. Uh, but you know, if we're looking at James Cameron timelines, he, you know, Cliff Curtis has got enough time between shooting this television show to do a bunch of motion capture. And then James Cameron takes it for another five years to massage it, to, uh, to release it into theaters. So I think it's probably a pretty relaxed schedule. So I don't know if this necessarily means that he's going to be leaving the show. I don't think it means he's going to be leaving the show either. And according to the deadline.com article, sources have told them that Avatar production will in fact work around his production schedule for Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, good. So he could be filming Avatar stuff this year, next year, and it'll have no effect on what he's doing on Fear. Uh, but it also means that he's going to get a lot of exposure and have you, you got to yeah. think in Avatar movies and end up being a giant star someday. Yeah, that could be. Even Depending more on, so you know, the movies. I mean, for having four planned movies doesn't mean it's going to pan out. I mean, Avatar was huge, um, you know, partly because of the technology involved, right? Right. Really, was that story strong enough if it was just flat 2D? I'm not so sure. Oh. It's basically uh, Dances with Wolves, right? I would agree. I'm not so sure that story is strong enough to be relevant long term at all. So what's the, what's James Cameron got to do? He's got to invent 5D because they probably have 4D already. So some kind of 5D, uh, you know, visual experience, smell and uh, uh, motion, you know, seat motions or even, you know, putting on goggles and getting into the action yourself. Well, that's like what porn is doing these days. That's, they do have, uh, they do have that in some theaters. I don't know if we have it here in Canada, but in the States, there are theaters where seats move. You oh, get, we have those. You get misted with water, things, oh, things like that. that. It's it's the 4D it's just, experience. Oh, see, they already have 4D. So now James Cameron has to come up with 5D. Exactly. Right? You put on the 3D goggles, 3D glasses, and then you stick two things uh, up your nose so you can have <laughs> smell-o-vision and you can smell all the uh, uh, Cliff Curtis. <laughs> you can smell Cliff Curtis as he walks by. Uh, no, I think it probably smells pretty good. Personally. Uh, Cliff Curtis? I would smell be. Cliff Curtis. <laughs> I don't think he smells like old cheese and pickles or anything like that. He probably smells really nice. Has a nice, uh, you know, personalized aftershave, I assume. Okay. So I just did a search for 4D movie experience and I came across Showcase Cinema's uh, MX4D, the motion effects experience. Yeah. It, it, listen to this. Imagine yourself in the movie with Showcase MX4D. Move with the action on screen, feel the wind and water, take in the scent and more. And here, oh, yeah. here's what it lists as um, your physical experiences. Motion, of course, the seat moves. Wind, air blast, water blast, rumbler. That means your butt's rumbling. Mm -hmm. Seat popper, bouncing up and down. Oh, that sounds painful, back, actually. Back poker, so you're poked in the lower back, probably. Leg tickler. <laughs> <laughs> and then neck tickler <laughs> and then scent <laughs> this okay plus theater what, what effects kind of, wind fog and strobe well so this sounds like torture oh to i me. me too i wouldn't want to do this in a million so, years what kind of poker <laughs> there's there's the the back poker yeah the leg tickler and the neck tickler wasn't there like a bum thing the the, the rumbler or the seat popper. Seat popper. That was the one. <laughs> so. 
the it all pit. sounds very uncomfortable to me. It sounds like a horrible, horrible thing to go to. I wouldn't pay for that. No, neither would I. I don't even like to pay for 3D or anything. I like my plain, boring 2D movies. I'm too old for all this crap. Yeah. Um, I have no interest in this. But if if anyone's going to do it, it might be James Cameron. He'll invent something new. Slap, slap a vision. The electro shocker. You know, you get shocked right. as you're sitting there. That's right. Electroshock and uh, what do you call that thing where you stick a needle in your eye? Uh, lobotomy. <laughs> Lobotovision. <laughs> That's up your nose, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's in the, your tear duct in your eye. They mm. go in through your tear duct. Oh, well, it doesn't sound pleasant either way. No, fuck. Anyway, <laughs> uh, basically, I think Cliff Curtis has got lots of time and James Cameron's doing something crazy. Four movies? He's committing to that already. They're going to do one and it's going to tank and they're going to scrap the rest. Well, I don't know about that. I, do, I don't think it will tank. I don't think people are dying for more Avatar movies, but it'll probably do okay just based on James Cameron's name and the marketing budget it'll have. Plus, they're building an Avatar theme park somewhere, so oh, that right. will help. Yeah. You know? Okay, so it's part of a whole thing. It's a whole big thing and Cliff Curtis is going to be right in the center of it, apparently. All right. Well, at least James Cameron stopped going to the bottom of the ocean. Right. He's just going into the remote forests of uh, distant planets. That's right. To, to buy, to buy, to uh, mine, uh, what is it? Unobtainium. Oh, no, right. Which is fine. That's a, it's a standard sci-fi trope to have uh, something called unobtainium. I mean, it's a little bit much to put on TV or in the movies, but in a book, it's, it's fine. It's a little better in books? It's a little bit better in books because it doesn't have the... Uh, that sounds stupid uh, so much. You know, when you read something and you think that's fine and then you read it out loud and you're like, man, that sounds stupid. Right. Unobtainium is one of those things. Okay. So stick to books. Stick to the printed word, people. Yeah. All right. One more item in the news and it also has to do with Fear of the Walking Dead. It's just some season three details. According to Wikipedia, the first three episodes have titles. The first one is called Eye of the Beholder and that's on June the 4th. The second one is called The New Frontier, also airing, according to Wikipedia, on June the 4th. And episode three is another word I can't pronounce, Teo Tawawaki, Teo Tawawaki, on June 11th. Fair enough. Uh, and no directors or writers as of yet. <laughs> that's a mistake. <laughs> you'd think they would have been on that by now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's, that's definitely a mistake. None listed or announced, according to Wikipedia. Um, but but two episodes on June 4th, which I do believe we've mentioned in the past, they're going to do these two. And then I heard they are going to do the final two of the season on the same night as well. Mm. So uh, they're shortening the, the run of the season by two weeks. Right. Um, now, the show has also already been renewed for season four, and we haven't even started season three yet. But if you recall, we did report that the current showrunner, Dave Erickson, will not be returning for season four. So he's finishing up season three, and then new guys are coming in for season four. Andrew Shambliss, or Chambly, and Ian Goldberg, and Scott Gimple is coming on as an executive producer. Right. So I wanted to bring this up again because I was chatting with our friend Jason from The Walking Dead cast, and he speculated that maybe... Season three isn't so great. <laughs> and so they've replaced the showrunners for season four. But, you know, season three, it was too late to do anything about it. It was already most more or less in the can. So they're going to air it, but they're replacing everybody. So now I'm a little bit worried about season three. 
Right. So, but it's been awesome. it's been re- renewed for season four. So you know maybe it's not so great, but it's good enough. Yeah, right? but maybe we don't we don't want just good enough. We want oh, we want but, excellent stellar yeah. TV. Yeah. So you know what's what's the name of the showrunner? David something. Dave er- the the guy now is Dave Erickson. Yeah. So Dave Erickson, they're like sat him in a room and he said, "We're really happy with what you did. You're doing a uh, a great job with uh, Fear the Walking Dead." And uh, good work on getting all those episodes in the can. We saw them. It's really good. You're fired. Do you think that's we're gonna a- we're gonna replace you for the? You know, it's not it's not really a reflection on you. It's uh, you know we just want to replace you for the next season. We're gonna move you to uh, this other uh, department uh, where you can't do any damage. Well, I hope that is not the case because that does sort of indicate that season three isn't going to be great. It it also doesn't help this feeling that they've brought Scott Gimple on, you know, from the other show. And that could be just they want to create a little bit more consistency between the shows or they're actually planning on integrating them somehow down the road or they just really love Scott Gimple because The Walking Dead is the highest rated show on TV and they think that's all up to, uh, all because of him. So, right. you know, it could be of any of these reasons, but... Well, it sounds like Scott Gimple went from uh, captain to admiral, right? Or at least commodore. So, you know, he's, uh, he's now in charge of multiple ships. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what's happening here. He's, he's an executive producer on this one too, but then Gail Ann Hurd is as well. She always has been. Well, yeah, that's because Gail Ann Hurd, she just, you know, has her thumbs in all kinds of pies. She has like six or seven thumbs and they're all in pies. Yeah. That's good a lot. pies. It's a lot of thumbs and good pies. Yeah. So anyways, I don't know. I hope season three is not terrible because I thought season two was better than season one and I hope the... In, you know, the quality trend continues to increase. Yeah. So. That's uh, a good graph. That's what you want. That's what you want. That's right. Anyways, Fear the Walking Dead comes back on June the 4th. We will be covering it here, talking about it, recapping it, and hopefully really, really enjoying it. And now back to the seat popper. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I do not Oh my God, so. it's so awful. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. They're going to make money, you think? Uh, They're going to get like... 12-year-olds going, yay, let's go see Transformers with the seat popper and the thing that pokes you in the back. It's going to be awesome. And then I can smell the Transformers when they pee on that guy because that's happened in, in one of the movies. I have so little interest in watching Transformers movies anymore that I'm not even aware that they're still making them, even though I know uh, there's, there's one coming out this summer. Yeah. You know, I saw the first one. I think I saw all of the second one and then I called it a day. Yeah, I because it was the it was the uh, the the two transformers that were like construction machines and they had wrecking balls and they became actual balls for transformer balls and I was like ah I'm out yeah like I'm out I'll watch Bad Boys again you know as far as Michael Bay goes but uh, Transformers forget it then they brought in Marky Mark which is always a mistake. You know, he's, Marky Mark's got to either play a cop or a bad guy. Anything else, he's crap. I don't know. I watched the beginning of Daddy's Home, him and the Will Ferrell comedy, and there was some funny shit in there. The beginning of it? You mean, you were watching it with your kids and then you basically said, I've got something better to do? No. Is that what happened? No, I was sitting in front of my TV waiting for my wife because we were going to watch something together and she was busy making tea or something. So I put the, put it on on Netflix, watched the beginning and had a couple of little chuckles and then we turned it off to watch our own thing, watch something right. else. Okay. <laughs> well, just remember that uh, Marky Mark played a science teacher in The Happening. 
I know, I know. Remember that, how that turned out? God awful. That was just a terrible movie. Um, but I, I'm just trying to say he's not all bad. He's not all bad. No, as long as he's playing a cop or a bad guy. I mean, in Daddy's Home, he's a bad guy, right? Well, he he's the bad guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a comedy. Movie, I mean, it's not really, really an evil, dark, dark bad guy. But he's the bad guy, right? Yes, at least in okay. the beginning. There you go. I mean, I I, I liked I like uh, Mark Wahlberg in uh, uh, Boogie Nights, and he was neither a cop or a bad guy, but he was a porn star. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe so, that's it. That's his acting range. <laughs> that's about what he can do. Uh, date night. Come on, he was great in Date Night. Guy never wore a shirt, you know, him and, uh, uh that was pretty good. Him and, uh, Tina Fey, they, they, they played well, well together. Steve Carell, Tina Fey, yeah. you add in Marky Mark as a character role with no shirt on. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I'll allow it. <laughs> He's not a principal. He wasn't a principal in that. No. All right. Anyways, I should probably cut out the last few minutes of talking about Marky Mark because, uh, it is completely irrelevant to most people. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> That's the news. So uh, we'll take a very short break. And when we come back, it's the first part of our Jeffrey D. Morgan actor spotlight. Cool. All right, and we are back. So, Jason, we are going to talk about Jeffrey D. Morgan here. We have a complete actor spotlight to do, but we are going to start with three of the selections and then finish a week from today, next Monday night, with the other three selections. Yeah. And that's because I'm afraid, you know, I was traveling for work, life got a little bit busy, and uh, it's all my fault. I wasn't able to get everything watched in time, even though... You know, I gave us a month to do it. I yeah, am. Yeah, your problem was that instead of watching the required stuff, you went to Sonoy to Nick and Norman's to have a meal. I did. I flew all the way down there to Georgia, rented a car, drove 40 minutes south, had a really nice meal, came home instead of doing my duty of watching his yeah. stuff. You could have happily sat in your hotel room, ordered a steak and like three baked potatoes and some cheese-covered fries, uh, two bottles of beer, like probably four bottles of beer, and- Oh, uh, you know me. <laughs> French toast. And you could have sat there all day and uh, had yourself uh, a JDM-a-thon in Atlanta. But no, you decided to get out and about, get in your car, drive to Sonoy, to a restaurant that you know and like, and probably bought a t-shirt. I did not buy a t-shirt this time. 
Uh, to be fair, I was in Atlanta for work. I was working a lot. I could have watched some JDM that evening, but you're right. Instead, I decided to drive to Sonoy to visit the restaurant again. And uh, just quick tip, everybody. This time, they're really known for their burgers. They make some really good burgers, including a veggie option, if, if that's your thing. This time, though, I didn't feel like a burger, so I got their steak. Not as good. Not as really? good. Yeah, the burgers are better. I'm going to stick to the burgers. How do you screw up a steak? Well, it's, you know, you, you can have like, all. I think all steaks are okay, but like you can have a not so great one compared to a really good one. I don't know. It yeah, just wasn't steaks as good. Are, steaks are easy. I guess, but this just wasn't my favorite steak. But anyhow, yeah. get the burgers if you go there. All okay. right. So what we're going to talk about here, the three selections from our actor spotlight, we are going to talk about Sliders, season two, episode five. Magic City, Season 1, Episode 1, and then Watchmen, the director's cut. So, Jason, where do you want to start this bad boy? Oof, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough call. Um, uh, let's start with the Watchmen, since it was a, uh, a long fucking movie. Okay, Watchmen, the director's cut. Three hours long. This is not the ultimate edition, which is even longer, because it includes uh, a bunch of animated sections. This is just the director's cut. It has all the, the ultimate stuff except for that animated section. And you and I both had seen this movie before, right? Yes. Saw it in the theater, and I saw it once in addition to that, and this was my third viewing overall. Yeah, I saw the original theatrical cuts, and I had watched it at home once previous to this as well, and then I watched it again for this. I don't remember specifically if the second time I saw it, it was the director's cut or not. Uh, but I didn't really find anything in this director's cut that I didn't recognize. So maybe I did watch it that second time. Uh, but anyways, what do you think of JDM in Watchmen? I liked him in The Watchmen. I, when I first saw him, I had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. like the first time I saw him, I just thought of him as just this one guy named the comedian. But this, uh, this time, you know, obviously I knew who he was. And his part wasn't huge. I mean, it was significant, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it was a very big cast overall. It's a big uh, cast in a big movie and he's not, uh, it doesn't have a huge part, but he has an important one. It very is important. Uh, did he seem bulkier than he does in the, the Walking Dead? He seemed very, I mean, the character was supposed to be built like a linebacker. So it was hard to tell whether the costume was just bulky, uh, to make him look muscular or whether he was just physically bigger than than he is right now that's funny i i thought that in a couple of 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 these things that we watched but definitely in watchmen he seemed bigger and bulkier now he when he's not the the opening scene of the movie is him uh you know in a fight in a in an apartment basically yep. right yep. and it's a great scene but he's wearing a bathrobe so he does look a little bit bigger than he does in as negan for sure but in general, throughout the movie, I think so as well. It's just that often during the rest of the film, he's got this sort of superhero uniform on, which kind of makes his shoulders look bigger and just yeah. a really but hefty Inside guy. there, like you can see his shoulders inside the costume because there's, yeah. there's, uh, there's exposed skin in there. With, with the robe, it's easy to bulk up, right? You just put some padding in there. You know, right. Put on three robes, who knows? But uh, he just, <laughs> I just thought he looked bigger and more muscular in this role than, uh, than Negan. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, maybe he's skinny down over the years in real life. Maybe, or maybe he, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, bulks up for a role. Could be. We know people that do that, right? Well, I don't know people, but you know, we know of actors that do that. We've heard of people that do this sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
I've seen it on TV. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, uh, so so you like the Watchmen? You you like? I should say just Watchmen. There's no the in the title. I I do like. Uh, I did like the movie overall. I mean, this viewing of it, I kind of enjoyed it more because uh, I knew. I was a little bit more familiar with the material, and since the last viewing, I did read the comic book, which oh, wow. I had never read before the other two viewings, and uh, I just, you know, there's there's things I I liked more in this this particular viewing. Like I really liked Patrick Wilson a lot more as uh, Night Owl mm-hmm. because uh, I you know I've never been a big fan of Patrick Wilson until season two of Fargo, and then all of a sudden I'm the biggest Patrick Wilson fan there is. Yeah, so. Now I go back and watch this same guy, right? Same ad, same performance, uh, but I liked it a lot more. Just you know, I, I that dial just went from Patrick Wilson is uh, you know the the mark of a crappy movie to shit that guy's all right. Well, he was so good in Fargo season two. Fargo in general is so good, but he was amazing, and I always thought he was he was good in Watchmen. In fact, everybody save maybe one of the lead cast is is really good in this movie in my opinion and alan ackerman right she's crap well that's the one i don't think she's (laughs) terrible in the film but she's she's, a bad actress well she's the weakest link here for sure i i still enjoy her i think she did a serviceable job in this movie it's just nothing standout right and she's young she was young when they shot this film man watchman was 2009 i mean she's I don't know how old is she. Yeah, she's well. She's only three years younger than me, so she's like thirty-nine right now. But so she was twenty-nine making this film, late twenties. That's pretty young. Not really. Not really an excuse, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but uh, you, you know, know, there's other. You know, Jackie Earl Haley was uh, phenomenal. So good. Like, he's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Was, that, that role was so amazing, and even the the last scene he was in was just perfect. It was beautiful. It was. It really was. Billy Crudup has Dr. Manhattan, mostly just voice work, but well done, you know. That was his penis, right? I, I mean, they, they did a motion capture of his penis <laughs> flipping in the wind there. They must have. Just flapping around all over the place. Yeah, why Why would they not use, you know, his penis? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but but you're right. Um, I think everyone in this movie was fantastic. Malin Ackerman was good, just not quite to the level of everybody else. But Watchmen, for me, is a movie that I adore. I love this movie yeah. and I like it a lot more than most people for some reason. And I don't know exactly why that is, but I feel like Zack Snyder hit this one out of the friggin' park. And I think it's the best movie he's ever made, like by a significant margin. Uh, because, you know, he's doing some movies now that like Batman V Superman and, um, what else? Uh, I mean, he's working on the Justice League, but Man of Steel, I thought was pretty terrible. Batman versus Superman was terrible. I didn't see Sucker Punch. Um, I did. It was terrible. And well, there you go. It was terrible. The problem with Sucker Punch is that, you know, even in the trailer, they laid out the plot. Like somebody, like the, the, the main, one of the characters that said, you got to do this and then this and then this and then this. And that's exactly what happened. And you don't do that in TV and movies. When you tell the audience the plan, the plan never works. Uh-huh. <clears throat> when you don't tell the audience the plan, the plan always works. So don't they tell the audience. They told us the plan, and then the plan worked. Well, that's just not right. <laughs> no, it's just, it's crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wrote Sucker Punch. Now, he uh, he did the screenplay for 300. 300 is a pretty good movie. I yeah. enjoyed that. 
Dawn of the Dead, of course, his version of that, also good. But good. for me, Watchmen is his best film. And one of the reasons I think I might feel that way is because I read the Watchmen comic. I read it before I saw the movie, before the first time, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like it that much. I don't think the comic is quite as deserving of all the praise that it's gotten over the years. I don't think it quite deserves it. A little bit overrated, in my opinion. So I was left a little bit underwhelmed by the comic. And then I saw the movie and thought, this is it. This is better than the comic. They took this okay story and made something special uh, on film from it. The opening credits blew me the fuck away the first time I saw it. Yeah. Just the, the slow motion his, history or, you know, reimagined history with masked, uh, what do you call them? Not even, not, they're not quite superheroes, but masked heroes. Heroes, vigilantes. Uh, involved. <laughs> it just, it, uh, it was one of the best things that, uh, that I had ever seen in a movie. It was just blew me, blew me away. Yeah. It was amazing. I, I fully agree. I think it's amazing. They span It like- was better than the opening credits of Zombieland and they had boobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, this show has, or this movie has some of those as well. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think that opening credits scene is great. I mean, uh, Bob Dylan's, the times are a changing over it yeah. all. It just adds to the amazingness of it. But you're right. They span 20 or 30 years of history in that slow motion montage of stuff. And it completely brings you up to speed. It completely sets the scene and outlines the whole story of what's happened to this group of masked heroes, as you called them, uh, you know, starting with the original group and then leading into the second group. Yeah. And it's done really, really well. Uh, but that comes after the opening scene. And the opening scene is a fight between Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian and an unknown assailant. And I love that scene too, because it has, this movie heavily uses slow motion yeah which can go either way in a film if you overdo it too much uh it's not good but Zack snyder is a bit of a slow motion guy we got some in 300 we get a lot in this movie uh and i think he is one of the few people that does it pretty well he does do slow motion very well 300 had it uh you know nailed it as far as slow motion and fast motion and interweaved together uh this i think was uh was similar that opening fight scene was also important uh for me to set the uh the tone of the the masked heroes and how they are slightly superhuman like they could this this whole movie could have been just a uh, a vision of you know people putting on masks and going out and doing things yeah, yeah right but some of the stuff that happened in this fight scene really like cinched down uh, knowing that these are superhuman people like the way that the unknown assailant caught the cleaver that uh, uh, Edward Blake threw just like sling that was just beautiful and how uh you know edward blake i say that because he wasn't uh, the comedian at the time when he punched through walls and through the uh uh the granite countertop yeah like just punching through that and the way uh, the unknown assailant was tossing them around it's just like okay these guys are not just uh you know humans that have trained and put on a mask they're uh you know they they have heightened senses and strength and speed uh, and abilities. Yeah. And I thought the, you're absolutely right. It sets all that up and the physicality of the whole fight is what I was most impressed with. Right. You're right near the end there. As you mentioned, he slams, um, 
he slams Jeffrey Dean Morgan's body down onto the granite countertop and it just, a giant chunk of it just comes out, like just with his body. And then of course he picks him up and throws him through a, a window and in a later scene, there are police officers investigating and even one of them says, you know, that's, uh, you'd have to step on the gas to, to get through that glass, but this guy was thrown through it. Yeah. Right. You'd need a, you'd need a car. So just a really, really great scene sets up the tone of the movie, sets up the world really well. Then we go into the credits, which just does an even better job of doing it. And, uh, I loved seeing things like back to the credits, Andy Warhol in the moon landing with Dr. Manhattan there on the moon, you know, yep. <laughs> just taking so, pictures. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, so good. Um, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach. I think his voice work is great. Oh yeah. Um, and he wears this Rorschach mask, which I thought it was a fantastic. The way it changes on, on close-up shots, it looked really, really cool. It was nice. It was uh, like in the comic, every time they showed Rorschach with his face on, because that's what he called it, his face, right? Yep. Because uh, that's who he was. Without the mask, he wasn't anybody. With the mask, that was his, that's who he was. So he kept referring to it as my face. Uh, give me back my face. Yeah. Kind of thing. But every time you saw it in the comic book, every frame, the mask was different. So the way they captured that in the movie with it just changing slowly was really, real, really well done. Yeah. Really, really cool. So, um, and then there's a fight scene in a prison later on that yeah. uh, I thought was just amazing. And, and at times too, this movie showed some restraint, you know, towards the end of that, that scene, you know, Rorschach goes into a bathroom and you know there's a, at least one person in there who has not treated him well. And, but we don't go into the, the camera doesn't go in the bathroom with him. It just, you know, we come out later and, you know, there's blood running from under the door. So you know what happened in that bathroom, but they don't have to show it to us. And But it was beautiful the way they did it. The door, you know, swung open and we yeah. saw both of them and we swung open again and we saw both of them and then it swung open a third time and all we saw was... Rorschach, it was, uh, it was so well done. We didn't need to see that violence. There's so much violence. They cut off two guys' arms like four minutes earlier or nope. one guy's two arms, uh, you know, four minutes earlier. Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> it, right. It just, that the whole prison thing was awesome because I, I just want to gush a little bit about the prison thing. The line, uh, you don't get it. Uh, I'm not tr- stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. Yeah. Was, uh, was just beautiful. So it good. Was, like- so I don't good. know what happened to Zack Snyder because the the level of violence he's put into his DC heroes movies has been over the top, ridiculous and unnecessary. Whereas in a movie like this, he showed some restraint and he had great lines like that. There's, I don't think anything has come close to that in Superman or Batman or whatever. Yeah. So. And, and then, uh, uh, was Jupiter, whatever, Malin Ackerman and, uh, the night owl break into the prison because there's a riot going on. And the whole idea of the riot is to get at Jeffrey, or not, uh, sorry, Jackie or Haley or Rorschach. The whole idea was to get at him. But, uh, you know, once he gets his mask and his coat and his hat back on, he just walks out of the prison. He's just like, hey, guys. Yeah. yeah hey, I, what are you doing here? Like, well, there's a riot. Okay, let's go. He's, he's they a broke hard... him out of a prison. They had no idea. He, yeah, that's right. He, well, he's a hard guy to hold on to. You know, he can get in and out of places and stuff like that. He's a very capable person. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. I uh, want a TV show with Rorschach. That's it. Just, you know, Rorschach doing Rorschach shit. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Um, 
but I but I don't oh, know if it would oh, be the dead. same without. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it would be the same without Night Owl though. You need some of those other characters, I think, if you're going to do a show about these. A Watchmen TV show? That could be something. That'd be, that'd be excellent. I don't know. Just Rorschach as a character is just, he's completely and utterly uncompromising. Right. It's just, he's just, he's, uh, he's conservative and hard-nosed and lawful, and he just does not stop and will not compromise. He, he does, you know, he does things that are extremely morally questionable, but he does them for what he thinks are the right reasons, right? Right. You know, there's a there's a there's a scene in this movie where he goes and confronts a uh, pedophile. Yeah. And he shows him no mercy. None. Which you know you can agree or disagree with, but uh, he's doing it because this guy is the raper of children, and that is objectively wrong. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he he sees things in black and white terms, but very very. Uh, very, very cool. Um, I don't know anything else about Watchmen. I mean, Jeffrey D. Morgan is not a very nice guy in this, this film. He does some really bad shit. And in fact, of, in, in fact, the three things we watched so far, um, I feel like he, that is a bit of a theme <laughs> in the characters he's played, but in Watchmen, especially the comedian is not a good person. No, the comedian is not a good person, uh, at at all. Like for someone, I don't even know if he has any, the only redeeming quality he has, like the only one is that near the end, he felt remorse and he went to go see that other guy was uh, Moloch or whatever his name is. He went to go he see Moloch. Yeah. Yeah. He went, broke into his bedroom and was, uh, uh, you know, blubbering and, and upset about the things that he's done. Mm-hmm. And, his, and, uh, Rorschach asked Moloch, how did you know it was, uh, Edward Blake? How did you know it was uh, the comedian was Edward Blake? It's like, oh, he didn't have his mask on. So that's how I could recognize him. It's <laughs> like, yeah, with the mask, he's completely obscured. You can't tell at all who well, he is. It's over his eyes, man. Come on. That's, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked that because it just kind of uh, leans into that uh, comic fantasy that is you can't recognize somebody when they have their mask on. Right. Like, oh my God, I can't see the uh, outside of you. Like I can see your eyes, but I can't see your cheekbones. So, I, I, you know, it could be anybody. Well, hey, when you have partial face blindness like me, that would probably work. <laughs> I got to meet someone like four times before I remember them. Right. Well, uh, Moloch played by Matt Frewer, of course. Uh, yes. Former Max Headroom. Head Max Headroom, yeah. <laughs> also right. from uh, Star Trek. He was in a Star Trek episode. Okay. Well, I just know him from Max Headroom. Um, but you're right. The, the The comedian did show remorse at the end, but the things we see him do in the Vietnam War... And at other points in this film are just inexcusable, really, yeah. from a absolutely moral character standpoint. Uh, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays it well. I think he was great as this character. You know, he has to be older, like 20, 30 years older at the beginning and with the mustache. And I think it looked really, he did a really good job. And of course that's makeup and wardrobe and stuff, but, um, he was just really, really fun to watch, even though he was doing horrible, horrible things in this film. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think Watchmen is the best movie Zack Snyder has ever made or probably ever will make. And I know that's unpopular, but man, man, I love this film. I could watch it over and over again, I think. Well, we've got Justice League coming up. Don't uh, count your chickens before they're crap. <laughs> it, and they're going to be crap. I'm t- <laughs> if, <laughs> you know, if I, I just can't imagine after the Batman v Superman movie that 
Zack Snyder has got anything good left in him. I don't know. I don't did know. he write uh, the Watchmen or did somebody write that for him? Uh, no, he didn't write Watchmen. I think. Well, um, not the comic, but the the uh, the screenplay. Yeah, no, I think uh, Miller did the screenplay, didn't he? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, did he write uh, Batman v Superman? Um, good question. I don't know. No, it doesn't look like he did. Uh, he There's did, no excuse. Then. He did write, uh, apparently he wrote the Wonder Woman movie. He's not directing it though. That's got Chris Pine in it. And I know you shouldn't base the quality of a movie on an actor that's uh, a part of it, but uh, I'm a big Chris Pine fan. Like, cause I know he can play roles that isn't just Captain Kirk. Like he plays Captain Kirk very well, but I've seen him in other stuff where you think it's just going to be Captain Kirk, you know, in this other movie. And it is absolutely not. Okay, well, it's I. Wonder Woman was the only good part and by far the best part of Batman versus Superman. So I have high hopes for this movie. I hope the Wonder Woman movie is really good. Uh, I I also I also do, and I don't have high hopes, but I also have uh, well, I don't have high expectations, but I have high hopes. Let's say. Yeah, I don't know. I'm based on her. Did you see Batman and Superman? Oh yeah. So, but based on what I saw of her in there. I'm hoping that they can pull this off. Zack Snyder apparently is credited uh, for the story on Wonder Woman, but screenplay is Alan Heinbergen, directed by Patty Jenkins. So you never know. It could be It could be great. Um, I really hope it is. Uh, but uh, Zack Snyder, I think he peaked with Watchmen, and it's just been all downhill since then. Hmm. Hopefully not, but we'll see. Hopefully not. All right, let's talk about uh, Magic City next. Season one, episode okay. one. The episode was called The Year of the Finn. This is a TV show from Stars, the Stars yeah. Network that is currently doing American Gods and Ash versus Evil Dead, I think, amongst other other yeah. stuff. Based on your recommendation, I just listened to uh, the audiobook uh, on Audible for the American Gods. Well, let's talk about that later a little bit, because I'd yeah. be interested to hear what you have to say. But Stars did this show called Magic City. I think they did two seasons of it uh, a few years ago. And I had never heard of it before I went looking through JDM's back catalog. So the show is sort of a uh, 1950s, late 1950s show about a guy running a hotel. In Miami. In Miami, that's right. On Miami Beach. There you go. And just the trials and tribulations of doing so. Now, we only, of course, watched the one episode, but the idea here was um, Frank Sinatra is performing in his hotel that night, yep. and there is some kind of strike going, and he needs to, Jeffrey D. Morgan as the hotel manager, needs to mitigate this strike so that Frank Sinatra doesn't get upset and, in fact, will perform. Yes. I mean, the, the the whole show was, I think the idea was Mad Men meets uh, The Sopranos meets, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of a couple other things. Meets Casino, let's say. Because, you know, th- this guy is, uh, he's the hotel manager. He's obviously running the, uh, the hotel for the mob and they've got union issues. So he's got to deal with that because uh, it's New Year's Eve and he's got Frank Sinatra in the hotel the whole time yeah. that the, the pilot is taking place. And you do not fuck with Frank Sinatra. He goes <laughs> on stage. If he doesn't have a bunch of blondes in the front and uh, if the place isn't full and if you don't bring him his, uh, you know, spaghetti marinara at about six o'clock uh, before his performance, he's just going to walk. 
And if Frank Sinatra walks out of your hotel, so does everybody else. And yeah. then you get killed because the mob is going to be, what the fuck? And you're going to go, you know, take a trip on a boat and uh, visit some sharks. <laughs> and nobody wants that. So you got to keep Frank Sinatra happy. Right. But you're right. It, it, this really felt to me like Stars's attempt at Mad Men, basically. Yeah. Um, something back in the day, sort of very stylish and a little mysterious. And I don't think it really worked that well. It didn't. And Jenny and I watched this. We found it on Netflix maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago. It's hard to say. We watched the first couple of episodes because, you know, we generally like this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it sort of reminded us of Bloodline. You remember, you remember that show? I love uh, Bloodline. Yeah. It's a really good show. And this is, it kind of said, okay, so, you know, they're running a hotel uh, and it's kind of Mad Men-esque and yeah, it looks like they're mobbed up. This could be interesting. Uh, you know, we watched a few episodes and we're like, uh, this is, you know, it's okay, but it's not compelling enough to continue watching. That was my feeling. Uh, I thought there, there might be something here. I, I can't say the show was completely without intrigue for me because I did find some of it interesting. And if there was nothing else to watch on TV, I'd give this a few more episodes, see if I get into it a little bit more, but based on everything else that's out there, I'm not so sure that I'll have time to take this any further, but I didn't. It's hard knowing that it's already been canceled, right? It's hard to buy into a show that's just like you never heard of before. And it had two seasons and it's just going to end and got shit canned by, uh, by the network already. It's hard. uh, That is definitely difficult. But for me, if I'm starting an older show, when it's only two seasons instead of six or seven or eight, then I'm, I'm a little more inclined to go with it. If say someone said, this is a really great show, watch it. Like, um, Christina has been trying to, has been dying to get me to watch, um, uh, six feet under for years now. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, she loves it. She says she'll gladly rewatch it, but and I, I don't have any real opposition to that other than it's like, what, six, seven seasons? I'm like, man, that is so much TV. I don't know if I can start that all now when there's so many other things on to watch. You can do it. I believe in you. It's yeah. a good show. You should watch it. I've heard. It's a very, very good show. I might actually do that. But with this, Magic City, I'm just not quite sure there's enough there to, even if it was just one season or something, you know, I, I don't know that I'd continue. There was nudity. We got to see JDM's butt. Yeah, we did. Like the first scene. Extremely tanned or like untanned. The rest of him was tanned. Well, he had looked like he was wearing a, you know, really long bathing suit tan. Yeah. And, you know, it's the kind of character he is. He's a tanned guy. He's in Miami. And uh, I guess he doesn't walk around naked very much, but he walks around with his shirt off a lot. I guess so. In, you know, off screen, because the whole time he's on screen, he's wearing a, you know, a spiffy suit. Yeah. Well, he needs to. Frank Sinatra is in the building. Yeah. You don't fuck with Frank Sinatra. Uh, again, I also don't think he looked as skinny on this show as he does in Walking Dead. So he seems to be losing weight over oh, the last few really years. I really noticed that. It could be. Was, you know, was Frank Sinatra, was he old blue eyes or the chairman of the board? You know? He was old blue was eyes. You know, sure it wasn't chairman of the board too. Well, he may have been that as well, but I'm pretty sure he was old blue eyes. Okay. Um, what did this, this show had some sort of James Bond-esque opening credits where it was, you know, naked women swimming through pools and things like that. And, uh. Well, that's because that was part of the show. There was a pool, a bar down, uh, under the pool 
Yes. Or beside the pool down, and there was like naked ladies swimming around in the pool the whole time. I, I get it, but I do feel like it was trying a little too hard for attention. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, hey, everybody, yeah. look at our new show. It's got naked women swimming in the opening credits. How about that? You need to watch I'm, this. You know, nudity is, is uh, something that they use in pilots to grab attention. Right, I, I'm aware. They did it in uh, friggin' Game of Thrones for crying out loud. The first season of Game of Thrones, Thrones had a shit ton of nudity. I mean, we've had nudity since then, but you know, now that the show is good, uh, you know, and we they have our attention, they don't need to, you know, have as much nudity. I'm glad they still put in, you know, a boob every here every now and again, but uh, you know, not as much as the first season. Sure, but. To be fair, as you said, Game of Thrones continues to have nudity, so it wasn't used as a gimmick at the beginning and then taken away. Um, X-Files, in the pilot of X-Files, Scully had her top off, and that never happened again, as far as I yeah, can remember. Yeah, that was, that was a blatant... Uh, you know, we've learned a lot from the X-Files. Yes. And uh, that kind of uh, pilot episode, uh, you know... I want to use the fr- the term titty grabber, but it doesn't seem right. No, it doesn't seem <laughs> right at all. Stop that. <laughs> uh, it's but, not, it's not, doesn't quite convey the meaning I want, but it's, you know, using, uh, scantily clad, uh, characters that, uh, to grab your attention. Right. That's what they were doing. And I feel like that's what they were doing here on this show too. Uh, I agree that it's part yeah. of the show, but it didn't have to be, you know, so uh, anyways, not amazing, not terrible. JDM was pretty good, but overall I thought the acting here was kind of questionable. Other than him, I don't think there was anybody in this show that I recognized. So, um. Uh, the leader of the union, uh, he was, uh. Oh, Olga Kurilenko, his, uh, his wife. I do know her. She's been in a, oh, really? in a few things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the leader of the union, um. He's a character actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Okay. I didn't recognize him, but I thought JDM was good. Uh, but some of the other people, not, not so great, not because they're unknowns. There's plenty of great unknown actors out there, but, uh, you know, maybe it was the material, but they just didn't work perfectly in this show for me. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I tried watching it. I've watched like probably four or five episodes of this, uh, of this show. And then I think we basically just forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. Just like you're scrolling through Netflix again. It's like, ah, that there's other stuff to watch. I don't need to watch this show again. Yeah, exactly. Um, Olga Kurilenko was a Bond girl in Quantum of Solace. Oh. That's where I remember her from, even though that movie, uh, I didn't think was so great. No, it wasn't so great. Okay. So the last thing we are going to talk about here today is another TV show, Sliders from the mid nineties, season two, episode five called El Cid. Now, Jason, I watched this on the way and on the way home from work today while sitting on the bus. So it's I It's not a good place to watch a TV show. I mean, you know, it's it's not bad, but it's not the best. I mean, I watched pretty much all of 24 uh, in transit while going to and from work, but it's not the best. Maybe not the best, but I, you know, it's not the absolute worst. And I felt like sliders... It, it would be okay. But why I tell you that is because I was on the bus watching it and I didn't really have a chance to actually put notes down, which I did for these other ones. Right. So this is all coming out of my brain right here, right now, um, for sliders. But my history with sliders, I, I mean, I do have a little bit of history. I remember watching it in the nineties. I guess I didn't watch all of it cause I have no recollection of seeing this before, but I do 
remember seeing episodes on TV when they were new and thinking this is a cool idea for a show and Jerry O'Connell, like who doesn't love him? Yeah, <laughs> so, we've got the we've got the fat kid from Stand By Me right? and uh, Gimli the Dwarf. Uh, basically rehash uh, Quantum Leap, but instead of going vertically through time, they go horizontally at the same time into different parallel universes. My God, there were five seasons of this show. No wonder I didn't see all of it. How could you watch five seasons of a show in the mid-90s? You'd miss things all over the place. I didn't even have cable in the mid-90s. No. I didn't watch anything. I watched... uh, uh, my girlfriend's father used to tape uh, The Simpsons on VHS. Every Sunday he'd tape it, and when the tape got full, he'd send it to us, and we'd fucking binge, binge watch The Simpsons. And that's <laughs> essentially all we watched on TV. Yeah. Well, did you have you ever seen Sliders before? I knew of Sliders. I couldn't claim to have watched an entire episode. I thought the premise was interesting, except for the gimmicky aspect of the premise. Like, for some reason, uh, in order to, when they jump someplace, they need to wait 24 hours before they can jump again, and then they have to jump, uh, or <laughs> they miss their window. Like, there's just an added uh, level of tension that uh, they needed for an additional gimmick, other than, let's go to a parallel universe and see what's going on over here. Oh, we got the same guy, but it's in a different, he's got a different role because it's a whole different universe. But if it's a whole, it's a whole different universe, why is there the same person? Like, like what point does, uh, you know, did it splinter off? Did it splinter off a week ago? That might work. But if it splintered off more than 15 years ago, then you're, you're not going to get the same people. Well, I think you're overthinking it, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's a sci-fi television show. You're supposed to overthink it. Oh, good point. Yeah, true. Well, what did you think of this particular episode? Did you enjoy it? Oh, no. No, not even a no. little bit? No, come on. They go They go to San Francisco, the state, or the, the, the maximum prison, maximum security prison. It's like Escape from New York was so much better than this, <laughs> uh, this prison thing. Where you yeah. had to wear bracelets and you needed a buddy and, uh, you know, nobody commits crimes in San Francisco because you have a buddy. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I watched this and I thought the first half was pretty good and I was really enjoying it. And then I got about halfway through on my trip to work this morning and then on the way home, I started watching, I turned it on again, watching the second half. And very quickly, I started to feel that this wasn't as good as I thought it was this morning. <laughs> right. Because so you started looking out the window and going, oh, these buildings that go by every single day of my life suddenly seem interesting. Um, no, I don't know. It was that I found the mystery of this show more, far more compelling than the facts of this episode. I shouldn't say this right. show. I mean, the, what happens is they slide into this universe yeah. and before they know what's going on, when the, when things are still being revealed to the characters in the show, as well as us, the viewers, I was much more invested in it on, than I was once everything was known. The, 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 the mystery of it was more compelling than the facts is basically yeah. where it came down to. And for some reason, I just kind of got lucky in that. Uh, you know, riding to work this morning, I got to the halfway point before they started revealing things. So I was enjoying it and then I wasn't. And then it just kind of got silly at the end and kind of at the end when they had to basically break out of prison. Yeah. 
the whole thing just falls apart for me because they come up with this plan. You don't really see them execute the plan yet. You're supposed to understand what's going on and then it just kind of works. And then they open the portal and jump into the next universe. Yeah. That's the, don't tell the audience to plan and it'll work. If they had told us to plan, it would have not worked. Right? <laughs> it would have not worked. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't like that part of it at all. And, uh, the show so. was very 90s. It was very stuck in the 90s. I, you know, I never really, uh, it's hard to pin down the zeitgeist of a particular decade until like 15 years later, at least. So now that we're far enough away from the 90s, we can see them. I can start to see the 90s as a cohesive kind of thing, right? So this show kind of strikes me as a very 90s show. Yeah, it feels pretty 90s. It looks very 90s. Um. And, and the whole idea of it is kind of nineties, I would, I would argue, but when they keep, I don't know, when they keep the facts from the audience, that's when I was intrigued by it. And then once they started revealing them, I wasn't so much. And I think it must be difficult on a show like this, right? To every week come up with a new universe that is kind of like ours, but a little bit different and I feel like that would be a difficult task for the writers and sometimes it probably works and sometimes not so well. Well, you know, they had Quantum Leap as a base. You know, Quantum Leap was basically uh, a guy travels in time for some reason uh, in, (laughs) I'm not even sure, like the premise doesn't even make sense. He can travel in time by transferring his consciousness to other people, but only within his physical lifetime and... Every time he travels into another consciousness, he has to solve a problem before he can jump again, and maybe the next jump will bring him home. Oh, and there's a hologram. Right. But named Ziggy. Of course. You need a hologram named Ziggy and a robot named Cheese. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a dumb premise. You know, Quantum Leap was, uh, you know, I liked that show when it was on the air. I watched it. But, you know, looking back, it's like, holy shit. Like, what were they thinking? Like, really, it didn't make any sense. It was just... It's basically, uh, if you have two characters uh, or, you know, four characters in this case, or five or however many it is, you know, you put them in a new situation each week. That's what writers are for. They'll come up with something, right? You know, prison city, you know, that's yeah. new, except for the other movies that did that thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, uh, Australia, that was, that was a prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a great idea. And it's, it's an opportunity to explore different themes and different situations every week. Right. And that's kind of, if they could successfully do that every week, it it would work. Uh, and they probably had mixed success with sliders over the years. Yeah. But this episode, again, as I keep saying, I liked it until I didn't. And Jeffrey D. Morgan, he plays another bad guy in this. Now he's pretty young. This was, uh. Oh, God, he was, 19, what, 12, 13 years old in this? Well, I don't know, 1996. He had a goofy-looking haircut and a goatee. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think I've ever seen on him before. I don't think, anyways. Uh, but he looked goofy, and he yeah. was just a funny look. It was the haircut, mostly. But another bad guy. He he's he starts this episode I, beating up his girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, no, very bad guy. And you can't really knock him for a haircut in the 90s. I've seen pictures of you in the 90s. We all had bad bad haircuts in the 90s. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely a bad guy in this as well. It, it made me wonder, like I've seen Jeffrey Dean Morgan in other stuff. Like I've seen him in things like, uh, well, I've seen him 
in another show uh, called The Good Wife, where he wasn't a bad guy. He was actually this charming love interest of, uh, uh, what's her name? Something Margulius or whatever her name is. The main Juliana Margulius or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever her name is. He was the love interest of uh, her character. And he was just charming, lovable guy, right? He seemed like a nice guy. And he was uh, apparently in other stuff where he's not the bad guy. But everything we've seen him in so far uh, basically puts him as a bad guy. And it looks like from what I've seen is that Negan is basically a caricature of the typecast of uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's like leaning into it in the, as far as Negan goes. Like he's <laughs> playing all these bad guys in all these other movies and TV shows. And then he comes along as Negan and he basically just leans into this caricature of what a bad guy should be. And it makes me worried for right. his career. Oh, <laughs> for his career. Well, I, you could be onto something there. I, I think we just had a, it's kind of just coincidental that we watch these three things where he's not such a nice guy. We're, we're going to, next week, we're going to watch The Accidental Husband, which is a, I believe, a romantic comedy. And I guess he could play a bad guy in that too. We'll yep. find out. Um, but you're right. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's always a bad guy, but he seems to play the bad guy pretty well until Negan. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but he was all right. I thought he was the best part in a way of this episode of sliders at the beginning. Again, the whole thing just falls apart at the end, but I, I kind of liked him at the beginning, even though he was beating up his girlfriend, which is not cool. Uh, but for a 1996 episode of TV, I thought he did an okay job. Yeah, he did an okay job. I like the, out of all the, the things we watched in this particular, uh, first half of the spotlight, spotlight for, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, definitely the, the comedian was his best role. Oh, by like light years above these other two roles. Absolutely. Uh, but the, the magic city was probably the worst for me. And this one was right in the sliders was right in the middle. Oh, sliders was worse for me than magic city. Uh, I didn't mind them too much in magic city. The TV show itself was kind of lackluster mm. and not really compelling, but as, uh, I don't think he was miscast and I don't think, uh, I think he did a pretty good job. I think if he had, if the show was better, he would be better. Yeah, fair enough. What I liked most about uh, Magic City was the cars. They had some yeah. cool cars in the fifties, man. They uh, they did have some cool cars. They did. All right. Big so cars. everybody go watch Watchmen because it's amazing. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Uh, and you can probably avoid sliders in Magic City. Next week, a week from tonight, Jason, we will be back with more Jeffrey Dean Morgan. We're going to talk about The Possession, 2012 horror movie, The Accidental Husband, as I mentioned, from 2008, and the one I'm really looking forward to, Softcore Porn! Undercover Heat from 1995. So just the year before, he was on sliders, so we'll have to see what his oh, haircut looks like. He's going to be 11 years old in that. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, you haven't watched it yet, have you? No, no. All right. <laughs> I haven't watched any of those yet. All righty. So we will get on that and uh, get to that next time. But thank you so much for tuning in to our, the beginning of our JDM Actor Spotlights. If you have seen any of this stuff and want to send in some comments, by all means, do so. I would love to hear what people think of Watchmen or Sliders or Magic City or anything that's coming up. So uh, participate. That would be great for next time. Uh, and I think that will do it for the podcast for this week. 
If you'd like to get in touch in the meantime, please visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to send us a message. Uh, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead or check us out on Twitter at talking dead. And of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And anything else, Jason, before we sign off for the evening? No, I think you've pretty much uh, covered it. I have covered it. All right. Until next time, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Softcore porn.